Hi, everyone. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie. Welcome back for another episode. It's been a huge month just personally in my life. Those of you who follow me know that I've moved in this past month. I wasn't planning on it, but I ended up buying a new car. I entered into my third trimester of pregnancy. I'm just going through these like radical shifts left and right. And I, I scheduled this podcast today with a very special guest, um, a friend of mine and colleague. Um, her name is Hannah Nielsen-Jones. So hi, Hannah. Hi. We're so happy you're here. And, and, and I'm so happy you're here because I, I, in this month of immense transition, have never needed um, ceremony and celebration so much in my life. And this is what Hannah does, is that she is a celebrant and she runs um, a, a process called River Root Ceremonies. And, um, and in this, this month of me going through, I'm doing three different baby showers. Just going through this transition, I've been reflecting a lot on the power of ceremony and how much we need that as part of our culture. So I've known Hannah for the past few years here in D.C. and, and become aware of her work around being a celebrant. I used to think being a celebrant was about being, you know, having someone marry you, and Hannah has really helped me to expand the definition of what that means, and, and I'll, I'll have her go a lot more into that. But what she's helped me with is that she's helped me plan a ceremony around the two-year anniversary of my father's passing, which was like a huge moment of mourning and celebration of my father's life that I shared with my brother. And then recently, in last week, she helped to plan um, a, a part of the baby shower that um, my friends threw for me around um, a little ceremony where my friends could offer uh, support for my birth process that I am very touched by. So I feel... I've always really believed in the work that Hannah does for, for our community and our culture, and now more than ever, I, I see the brilliance of it. So it's, it's very appropriate that we planned our podcast schedule for right now. And I'm going to read a little bit from Hannah's website, which is um, River, and Roots Ceremon- River and Root Ceremonies. And uh, first, I'm going to read her definition of what a, a celebrant is on her FAQ page. And she writes... A life cycle celebrant is a ceremonial professional who has completed rigorous training in ritual academic theory, covering cultures and traditions across the globe and throughout history, and has practical experience working with people to integrate their story into the ceremony. As the Celebrant Foundation and Institute states, life cycle celebrants abide by a code of ethics, a non-discrimination policy, and a commitment and commit to continually improving their knowledge and skill. Celebrants believe that affirming life's milestones through customized thoughtful ceremonies strengthens the bonds of families, partnerships, and communities, and deepens the human connection across generations. And remembering and honoring our ancestors are the very essence of what it means to be human. Love that. And then just a little bit from your bio, and I love that you wrote it in the first person, so I'm going to just embody the voice of Hannah for a second. And she writes, I have always loved ritual. It provides us with a sense of place in our larger spectrum of human and societal cycles, as well as marks the beats and the rhythms of our individual lives. I've always loved reading and writing as well. Book reports are my favorite school assignments. Yes, I've always been a bit of a language person. Growing up, the book, I'm in Charge of Celebrations, is one of my favorites. It's all about a little girl who creates individual rituals and for herself and the desert creatures around her. When I first heard of this work of the Celebrancy and the Institute nearly 10 years ago, I thought, oh, this is all the things I love about theater, a gestural vocabulary, an emphasis on language, a thematic unity, 
a choreography of movement, a link to the universal life experience, a beginning, middle, end, a dedicated space for the consideration of the meta condition of being alive, to name but a few. Plus, I get to write from scratch every time. What a huge, exciting, creative opportunity. So thank you for being here, Hannah. And I look forward to hearing more about what being a celebrant means for you. And the first question I have is, how did, how did this path come, come to fruition for you? And, and what, is it, what has it meant for you to become a celebrant? That's a great question. Um, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Um, like with so many things, it was a little bit of a winding road. I first saw actually an ad for the training program that I did with the Celebrant Foundation and Institute. Um, I saw an ad in the Utney Reader, um, probably, yeah, probably 10 years ago, and I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. And I was in a moment in my life where the thought of even just being in one place long enough to do any kind of training program, even though it was totally virtual, um, was not, it was not where I was at. Um, but it was sort of like that was when the seed kind of got planted. And then um, about five years later, I, I saw the same ad in a different, um, a different copy of Utney Reader, and I thought, oh, right, that, and came back to it. And I was in a different place in my life. I was in a place where the idea of, of taking on um, that kind of learning and exploring that kind of curiosity was much more possible and much more present. Um, and so that's kind of the, so I, just, so I started the training program, um, which can kind of vary in length. It can be a year, it can be two years, it sort of depends on how, how many modules you decide to do. And um, so that's sort of like the logistical side. I think the, the more spiritual side or um, the more energetic side really has to do with the fact that um, it does have to do with my theater background and, and just the fact that I believe that, that magic happens, as cheesy as that sounds, magic happens when a group of people gather together to witness something and that that is a really essential part of, of being human and um, and that we and that we need to nourish that, and that that's a really that's a really powerful experience to have, and both both to be to be witnessed and to do and to witness. Um, and I know that that I've always loved that. I've loved um, I've loved being in both sides of that, and so it feels really really wonderful to be able to be a part of creating those experiences with other people, um, to, to be able to name what people need and, and to kind of bring that into the room as we go through these transitions in life. And the, when, you, when you speak about it, and from reading your, your descriptions on your website, like in my personal experience, it, it feels like these, these celebrations and these ceremonies that they help us to connect with this shared sense of humanity and it feels very basic sometimes to think about that, of like what is this condition of being human and taking time to celebrate that. And mm -hmm. I, I just don't think in our current culture that we do that very often. And I, I'm curious about like your, like your academic background of like looking back at like, like 
looking at culture and just a huge meta view of why why ceremonies have, have come to be, I'm, I'm going to dare say, a form of self-care for cultures. And I, I feel free to, mm. to disagree with that if that doesn't feel true to you. And, and like, what is it in our culture right now that you see the need for in terms of ceremony and celebration? Mm, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going with it. I think that's very true about them being a form of self-care for cultures. And I think that, and I think that we can see that in our culture now, um, in our sort of like, like very wide stream, mainstream broad sort of like Western quote unquote culture, um, that the lack of having these, of having ceremonies where we acknowledge these major transitions, we can see that. We can see, um, you know, the thing that I'm thinking of most is, is coming of age ceremonies. So what does it mean to be an adult in this culture? Um, what are the tools that you need? What are the, what are the skills? What, are the, what is the wisdom that the, those who have gone before you as an adult offer you? Um, what, how do you prove yourself as an adult? Absolutely. I, um, I'm thinking of um, Richard Rohr. I'm, I think that's his name. He was just on Being within the past couple of months, and he was um, talking Unbeing. about, yeah, it, he was talking about how masculinity really suffers because our, cur- our current culture of masculinity suffers because we don't have coming-of-age rituals where men have mm-hmm. to experience powerlessness. Mm-hmm. And that would be the vision quest or going off by yourself or having to like kill the lion or whatever more tribal cultures have created in the past as a way for mm-hmm. men to have to experience that intense fear and work through it in themselves. And that he really sees this as being like a deficit in our culture around masculinity. So that, that feels resonant for like what you're saying that there's, there's like, oh, yeah. we don't have a way to mark this, like these big moments of life. Right. And, and that there's, that there's different components of that. I, I think that's really spot on, um, particularly around, yeah, around masculinity and around this, you know, we, we think about what's going on developmentally in our brains and in our bodies during adolescence. And it's like, it is really the time where you want to go out there and explore and like your sense of danger is in a different place than it will ever be again in your life. And we're going to, you know, that there is that need within us to, to, to push those boundaries. And if we, we can see if we don't have a sort of uh, a framework for doing that that is supportive and loving and recognizes that this is an important thing to do, we're going to do that anyway. And there's going to be consequences of that. Um, so... So that, that, yeah, that really, really resonates with me. I think in terms of going back to the idea of it being self-care, cultural self-care, um, I, I just think that we can't sort of underestimate the effect of being, being witnessed by each other um, and, and, and that that witness involves both times of joy and and difficult times, whether that's times of sorrow or times of grief, and that that's part of a way that we expand our, our knowledge and our relationship with each other. Um, and times of rage as well. I feel like that's something you and I have talked about too, is there's all of this unacknowledged rage within us, and, um, and ceremony can be a container for that too. Mm. Are there ceremonies throughout cultures where, where they have given 
like a space to have rage? I don't, I'm not thinking of anything sort of immediately off the top of my head, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I think that there's, and if not necessarily an entire ceremony, but certainly a space within a ceremony for that to be expressed, um, whether that is like vocally or through the creation of art or some other kind of um, physical embodiment of that. Um, but I think that, that I think that that is also part of that can be part of grief rituals and mourning rituals is like that there is this expression of rage that um, of this loss um, and that that can be a part of it. It doesn't always have to be, but um, I think that there are places where that comes up. You know, you mm. think of the um, you know in some cultures how there's that the the shredding of clothes or the um, the beating, you know, sort of like beating on your heart, beating on your chest, that that's part of the, part of the grief ritual is that, that kind of like physical uh, destruction or self-destruction as a result of, of, of processing the loss or as mm. part of processing the loss. It, it's, um, I'm thinking of the Irish tradition of wailing that I, mm-hmm. I, I know an Irish woman from the mm-hmm. intro work that I've done, and she, she talked about it, that you actually kind of hire professional mourners to come to some mm-hmm. of your ceremonies. And mm-hmm. these women, these older women who come, and they just they wail, and they, they, mm-hmm. they cry together. And so she had us do a, a, a wailing ceremony together, just women. There's like maybe five oh, of us cool. sitting in the room. For maybe like 20 minutes, we just wailed. And we just fed off of each other's energy, where it was, it was really intense. Yeah. I, I mean, so much energy in the body to like just like – for 20 minutes, get these huge sobbing sighs and cries out. But I did feel amazing afterwards. Like it, it cleansed something out of my system mm-hmm. to, to sit and wail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's part of it too, that sometimes you need someone else to start it and then you can join in, you know, and you can kind of come in and out of it. But, but it does touch a really deep, deep part of us hearing that, that, that vocalization. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there's professional mourners in a lot of different, you know, there are professional mourners in ancient Egypt, you know, there's, that is a, that is a, a, something that we have done for each other as humans mm. in, in different cultures. Well, well it, it strikes me just how vulnerable these moments of transition in life are. So I think about mm-hmm. adolescence, how incredibly vulnerable that is. I think about death and grief and how vulnerable we feel in that mm-hmm. process. And even, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. the ones that we're comfortable marking in our culture are funerals, of course, and within a certain frame that was like after the funeral is over, it's kind of over. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then weddings and births. So it's like, I think we put a lot of emphasis on like, let's celebrate the lightness of things. And, mm-hmm. um, and yet even I, I know in my own experience of being pregnant right now, um, that there's a lot of grief in that process and there's a lot of incredible amount of vulnerability in this process and and then getting married I just see every wedding that I go to just someone's crying and there's you know it's, it's a vulnerable moment so how do you think ceremonies and celebrations help us to handle the the, the depth of tenderness that I think can come up mm. in some of these moments the depth of tenderness that's a, that's absolutely right I think there's a couple different ways. I mean, I think one is is that there is a container, that there is a structure, and so that there is there is time. Ideally, there's sort of time and space to experience that vulnerability. 
Um, and I do talk about this when I, when I work on weddings with couples. You know, there's, we say it's this, this wedding experience, sometimes it ends up being like a whirlwind. And, and what I hope for the ceremony is that there is, there is space in that ceremony for the two of you to just sort of be with each other, even if there are hundreds of people watching you know, it's the, it's space for the two of you to just be with each other in this new in this new chapter of your lives. Um, so I think, and that and that space can take the form of sharing words. It can take the form of silence. It can take the form of witness. It can take the form of support of of your community giving you support, um, whether that is whether that's with words or with silence or, or with touching, you know, if there's um, any kind of like hands-on moment or some, another kind of energetic exchange. Um, and I also think that another part, another way that ceremony can, can hold space for that is, is through preparation. Uh, it's not, when I work with people for, when I do ceremony or work with people, there is an element of, preparation involved. We talk about what, what, what clients want. We talk about what they don't want. We talk about what, what feels safe and what feels, might feel uncomfortable, but it might feel right. Um, and we talk about what, what doesn't feel right, what doesn't feel safe. And, and, and I think in some of those conversations, that's also a preparation to, to, engage in this in this state of vulnerability during the ceremony it it doesn't um it doesn't sort of blow in like a hurricane out of nowhere you know you you ideally have some some space and some time to get ready to to feel it even if you can't get totally ready because you don't know all of what's going to come up um but i think that that idea of of preparation and and of and knowing that that isn't where it ends. It doesn't, the ceremony doesn't end with you kind of, you know, emo- emotions naked out in the middle of everywhere. Um, there is a, there is, there is a, a closing and there is a, a coming back together and there is a, a grounding that happens at the end. So it, and, and that takes a lot of different forms too, obviously. But, um, but I think that that's important too, because we, it's, it's very powerful to be vulnerable. It's powerful to be witnessed in that vulnerability. Um, and we know that we can't live our lives in that vulnerability. We can't just live our lives in that space. Um, I mean, maybe some people can, but I think it would be, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really powerful and potent place to go, and there's a lot of lessons in there for us. But it's it's a destination. It's not a it's not a constant state. I think for many of us. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think knowing that of like knowing what the that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to this process, mm-hmm. and we're gonna go there, and we're gonna share this together, and then yeah, we'll we'll close up shop at the end. Like it's like having surgery and just making sure that you get sewn back up. Mm-hmm. probably makes us a lot more willing to go in and be and be cut open and um yeah <laughs> that's what a ceremony can be and i, I really yeah. yeah, i relate a lot to what you said about the preparation I, I think about when my father passed away just how comforting 
like how disorienting it felt to wake up the next morning and be like, what does this mean about everything? Like it felt like mm-hmm. everything had changed. And then to like be like, what well, we got to plan this funeral. And that was like what my brother and his wife and I, we just put our heads together and we, I think we planned a real heck of a funeral. I felt really like it was something he would have wanted. He was un- mm-hmm. as unconventional as my father was. Um, and that, that, that in and itself helped me in my grief process was just to really think about what he would have wanted and to really respect his wishes and to be creative with it and to bring his community together to make it happen. And that there was a, there was a real closure um, to, the, to the like immediacy of his death through the funeral process. And, and, and so I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction, which is that what, what I love about what you do in, in weddings and, and other ceremonies is that you work with people who want an unconventional ceremonial experience. I think that's true. Uh, country, let me know if that doesn't feel true. But someone who was like, I want to get married, but I, I wanted, we want to do it in our way right now. And so you help them to create something that's really customized for them. So um, can you talk about that balance of, of keeping a ceremony that feels kind of um, ancestrally resonant as well as being creative and choosing something that feels really individualistic at the same time? Yes. Um, and I think, I mean, I think it's important with weddings to recognize that so many of the things that we think of as conventions and traditions are so recent as well. Um, They have not, you know, they have been created for, in some ways, to kind of like serve capitalism and consumption. (laughs) So, um, so that's part of where, where some of the conversations go of like, oh, you don't, um, we, we think of sometimes with weddings that there's all these things that you quote-unquote need to do or have to do, and, and once we can let go of the needing to or the having to, then you're free to really explore what is really going to make, how am I going to feel married? How do I want to feel married? What do I need to, to experience or to say or to hear or to do uh, to feel like I've made a commitment to this other person? Um, and what does that commitment mean? Um, I think it really it does require people to be able to think about think about those questions and answer those questions, and not everybody is is ready to do that or wants to do that. Um, and I certainly have some clients who are really clear that they want to have a a ceremony where there is there are vows and there are rings and there are readings. And that's, that's wonderful and that's beautiful and that can be extraordinarily meaningful and powerful. Um, and, you know, other people don't want anybody there or, uh, you know, they want to elope or they have an entirely different idea about how to represent their commitment to each other. Um, I think the thing that, the, the place that I start from is really, what do you need to happen to feel that you have gone through this, this transition with each other? That you, at the beginning of this ceremony, you were two people and you were committed to each other, um, but you were effectively sort of like individual entities. And at the end of the ceremony, you will be, you will be a unit. Um, what does that mean to you? And how do you, how do you want to represent that? And some people 
also want to do, you know, have us have a, a small, very private commitment ceremony, and then have a much larger sort of like public wedding ceremony. And that's that's also really cool. I think that's interesting too. Um, this way of of holding in balance both wanting to have a public experience, a public experience of being witnessed, and a private experience of of um, of sharing of sharing that commitment. Does that kind of answer your question? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not entirely I'm sure. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't I sure if you were like tell me about clear. crazy weddings and like how people want to do like run into the forest and jump around naked and in the rain, which is also a great way to get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I, I I love your answer to the question, and I and I think it's just something that I'm hearing. I've heard a lot from friends, and I continue to hear a lot from friends is I like I, one of my good friends is getting married to someone from a different culture and where they have huge weddings mm-hmm. of just the hundreds and hundreds of people would come to this wedding and she wants a very private ceremony. She has a smaller family. She wants a very private ceremony and they're reconciling that. And it's a lot of like, it's bringing a lot of values out in their whole relationship of like, how do we relate to our families and what's, what's us and what's our past culture. And so I just uh, speaking from experience, working with Hannah in the preparation stages is a bit like a therapy session. When we had our session around planning for my father's death anniversary ceremony, we, we talked for a really long time about his history and my relationship with him and the good, the bad, and the ugly of everything. And, and really, you helped me to see like what it was I really most wanted to remember and celebrate and work through with him. And so in terms of like Weddings in particular, because I think this is where I hear it come up the most, I, I think there is a lot of tension between making other people happy and making yourself happy in the moment. So, like, w- what do you advise for self-care for for people who are taking that step mm. and, and not sure how to find that right balance? Mm, yeah. Oh, it's such a rich place. Yeah. Well, I think weddings are really, they really embody that truism of, you know, this is both for you and not for you. <laughs> They're both at the same time. Um, and yeah, having that, striking that balance or, or sort of reconciling oneself to, uh, to the reality that there may not be a balance. Um, I think in terms of self-care, I, I think being in nature is, is just a really big one. I, you know, I think so often of when, when we're, in that space of whether it's wedding planning or any kind of like emotional milestone that involves logistics, um, it is so powerful and healing to, to go outside and look at a tree or look at a river and just think, this tree has been here, it was here before me, it'll be here after me. This river has been here before me, it'll be here after me. Even just taking some time away from the sort of immediacy of paper and computer screens and, you know, things that are within arm's distance to look and see something that is, you know, 500 feet away. And that gives us a little bit of space of like, okay, whatever happens on this day, this is a day. And the sun will come up the day after that. And, and then I will be married. And I will be able to create in that create that marriage, however, in a way that feels really congruent and authentic to who I am, even if the wedding, even if there were compromises with that with the wedding. Um, so that would be one thing that I would say. And I also think another thing I would I would say about self care heading into a wedding is 
um, hydration, real, really basic hydration. Sometimes there, it really feels like a whirlwind, and that's wonderful, and it's wonderful to see people, and it's, it can kind of be overwhelming to have all these different worlds collide, and there's great food, and there's you know, all of that kind of like festival feast food, and it's like, but water is also really, really critical. Um, and, and to take some time to connect with, with the people who are going to be there who do really get you. Um, and that, you know, whether that's partners, your partner, your family, um, and even if it's just 10 minutes where you, you know, you go and hide in the bathroom together and just like hug or, you know, I mean, everyone, there's so many different ways to do a wedding and, and different people have different availability in the run-up, but um, I think that, that that can be really important is to just, to, to feel empowered to take, to take someone into the bathroom for 10 minutes and just say, I just need a hug or I just need you to hold my hand. Um, I think that can be really grounding and, and really can give space. I think that there can be a way in, with some weddings that it just feels like you're on this ride and you're just going to, you're going to ride the ride until it's over. Um, and, and that's fine. Uh, and to recognize that within that ride, you have some agency to, to do what to do, or at least nod at what you, what you need to do. Another thing that I think is really great, I, I love talking about weddings, so please cut me off if you're feeling like this is a lot of wedding talk. Um, but another thing that I think is really wonderful that I know some people have started doing is to schedule a yoga session on the day of the wedding, whether that's having an instructor come and like do a class for everybody or just planning to have a friend come and like put a podcast on and just do half an hour or 45 minutes. Um, that can be really wonderful on, on the morning of getting married. If there's, if there's that flexibility in your schedule to just, or, and it, you know, obviously if yoga is not part of your self-care practice, maybe you can go for a walk or, um, or meditate or do something that is, that relates to your self-care when you're not getting married and that is a way for you to, to embody, to like be in your body, to ground into your body. I think that that's really awesome. Mm, yeah. And, and, um, and to like create, create the, the mindfulness too is like what I hear in that is that mm-hmm. I think always my biggest fear on like big life milestone events is that I'm going to be so distracted and nervous that I will, I'll miss it. Like I'll forget to enjoy mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. I've, I've never had a wedding before, so I can't speak about that. But I think if I was going to get married, that might, would be my fear that I would be so kind of concerned about how it all went together and my own control issues and that I would forget mm. to actually like, like, I'm allowed to enjoy this big life milestone that I'm going through right now. And I, I think, you know, practices like yoga help us to ground in the present moment mm-hmm. and with the breath yeah. and with the body and like all these parts that aren't just our minds or anxieties. Absolutely. Well, yeah, one of my wedding inspirations is a, um, I remember being at a friend's wedding and the, the officiant said, okay, we're going to just not do anything now and the two people who are getting married are just going to look at each other. Mm. And they're just going to look at each other for maybe about a minute and nothing else is going to happen and I just want the two of you to just take this minute and 
just be exactly where you are. And and I just thought I thought that was so neat that the that the efficient knew the couple enough and knew kind of what else was going on enough that, that she could just say, you know, this is the time. Once the wedding is over, we're going to get, you know, it'll be the reception and it'll be the photos and it'll be all that kind of stuff. And right now, it's just, you're just going to take this time right now and just look at each other and just be with each other. Hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, because it creates that, it's like that quantum space of just that energetic really seal. It's like we are here Mm -hmm. and no matter what else happens, we can remember this this Mm -hmm. moment right here. Yeah. I'm curious about other ceremonies because I think I think again weddings and funerals and baby showers and bridal parties and things like that are 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 ones we know. But like, what are some other ceremonies that you've done to help mark transitions for for the clients in your life? Um, I've done PhD completion ceremonies, which I really love doing. you know, it's a huge undertaking doing a PhD. It's years of your life. You know, you're working really hard. And there is a, you know, you do graduate, and that's an important aspect of it. You know, you, you get that diploma, and you graduate, and people see you do that, and obviously you have your exams and all of that. Um, but the, the people that I've done PhD completion ceremonies with really wanted to mark, you know, I, I kind of, created this life for myself while I was in this process, and now I want to create a different kind of life for myself. And I want to, to really acknowledge and recognize this, this transition point, and I want, to, I want to appreciate the things that I learned in this previous life and that I'm going to take into this new life, and I also want to release the things that I'm not going to take into this new life, and I'm going to name the new things that I want to manifest. And I think that was really potent and healing and powerful. Um, I have done ceremonies for women who are preparing to wean after breastfeeding, um, for women who are getting ready to go back to work after maternity leave, um, for people who are getting ready to start graduate school um, and kind of you know, thinking about what are the what are the ways that I am going to prepare for my life to change and what are the things that, what are the, the, the lessons and the skills um, that I'm going to take with me on this journey? Who am I going to, how will I ask for help? Who will I ask for help um, as, I, as I undertake this new, this new adventure and this new journey? Um, I've done ceremonies for people who are getting ready to be parents um, that's, you know, similar to a baby shower, but um, not necessarily um, parents to babies, if that makes sense. Um, parents to, to people who, to foster kids or adopted kids. Um, so that's kind of like a very, uh, that's sort of probably an overview. Um, I, I really feel like there are just so there are so many different possibilities. There are so many ways that that we that we can acknowledge change. You know, even even in just sort of like physical our physical movement. So, um, moving to a new house or moving to a new city. Um, milestone birthdays is another one. Um, I did a, a 70th birth two two 70th birthday 
ceremonies earlier this year, which were both really wonderful and powerful and creating that space both for reflection as well as appreciation and, um, and kind of a recommitment to oneself and a recommitment to one's journey were both really, really, really neat spaces. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm excited to find out what other possibilities there are. I mean, I, I, it feels very exciting and, um, and I just, I, I, I love when people kind of are able to say, this is kind of what's going on. What, what are some ways that we could do something about that? You know, it's a neat place mm-hmm. to start a conversation. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I think you have so many forms of genius, but I feel like that is just such a form of your genius as you to be like, yes, let's, let's talk about this. And I, I feel like in those moments where I came to you around my baby shower being like, I really want to do a baby shower and I really don't want to open up presents in front of people and do the traditional thing. I just felt like that was just not how I wanted to commemorate it. And you like had so many ideas and you're like, here are all these different things that people do in different cultures. And we came up with something that just felt so special and so connecting in, in that moment. So um, I, I think that, you know, definitely if you're listening out there and you want someone to help you plan a wedding that feels really authentic or, you know, a funeral that feels authentic, um, go for it because Hannah's going to do an amazing job with that. And also if you just are going through a transition and you want, like therapy isn't quite feeling the right option, you just feel like you need to do something, I, I would really recommend talking to Hannah and exploring the idea of doing a ceremony and you can do them with her either where she will lead it for you or you, you can do it with her where it's self-led, where she will write a ceremony for you. And the one that I did for my, with my brother over my father's two-year passing, she wrote for us and we did without her, actually. And it, that worked really well for, like, our family dynamic and what we needed to say and do in that. And then you also have something called a ceremony in a box. So can I, can I let you explain ceremony in a box? Absolutely, yeah. And, and Right, and I think it's important also to say – that I, I'm always just happy to talk with people about stuff too. So it, like with so many things, the internet can kind of be this wild rabbit hole. And, and I think of one of the ways that I can really be of service is to just have an hour-long conversation with someone and say, you don't need to go down the rabbit hole immediately. Like here are some places in the rabbit hole where you can hook in or like here are some ideas. Because I think we also have, I think many of us intu- have a sense intuitively of of ways that we can mark transition and sometimes we just it's helpful to just have someone say well here's a b c and d you know which one resonates with you and then you can kind of go from there um so ceremony in a box originally developed as this idea of oh there are these um there are there are people that i would love to work with who who don't live in dc and um Obviously, you know, I would love to have clients that fly me all over the world to work with them, and I would love to manifest that in the future. But right now, um, the way that I am working with people remotely, um, and not even necessarily not remotely, some people are even closer, but want to do something that's self-led, um, is that I, I can create a ceremony in a box, and that there are some that are kind of standard that are not custom sort of um so sort of for a house a house welcoming or a baby welcome like a housewarming or a house blessing or a baby welcoming or a new job or a milestone birthday 
Um, and then I also will create custom ceremony in a boxes. And that involves a little bit more of a process of talking, talking with you and what you are wanting to acknowledge and what, what are some ways that you feel really comfortable doing that and, and what do you like and what do you not like. Um, so for example, with, with Milestone Birthdays, one of the activities that I, um, that I, that is in the ceremony in the box is this kind of um, drawing a map of your life, both your life so far and then your life to come after this birthday. Um, and, but with a custom ceremony, I always ask, is that something that would be, would be pleasant for you or would that be something that would, that would um, maybe bring you into, would, would bring up some stuff that you, that you don't really want to get into in the context of the ceremony? Um, so, or, or, you know, some people also really, it would be hard for them to kind of to do it and then what if I don't get it right? Is that okay? Um, and kind of bringing that energy of, uh, sort of like uncertainty and um, into it. And so with a custom ceremony in a box, there's a lot more, it's a lot more specifically uh, about you and about kind of what you're going through um, and what you want to bring in to this next part of your life. So it generally ends up, I think I always, always underestimate how long they're going to take. I always think that they're going to take about an hour, and I think they often take more like an hour and a half or two hours. But I always tell people that they take an hour because I don't want people to be scared to start it. And I always say, if you have to start and then stop and then come back to it, that's okay. Too. <laughs> um, but the important thing is, is that, because I feel like really what the important part is that you, that we pause in our lives, which, you know, we're all busy. There's a lot going on um, all the time. Things, it, it even feels like things are speeding up, you know, and the important thing is that, that you, you decide, okay, I'm going to take the next couple hours, I'm going to take this night, and I'm going to be in this different kind of relationship with myself and with my life and with my space. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relate to things in a slightly more both specific and abstract kind of way. Um, and and that, that ideally afterwards there, is, there, is, there might be a, a perspective shift or uh, a healing that kind of comes from, from taking that time and that space with the intention of ceremony. Mm. Beautifully said. Yes, it is that, that sacred pause. <laughs> just like slowing mm-hmm. down yes. to see what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just wonderful to get a fun box in the mail that has all this stuff in it. You know, that <laughs> yeah. someone put together for you. That's a really, that's a great, there's a reason that all of those unwrapping videos are so big on the internet. You know, people love mm-hmm. unwrapping stuff. It's true. <laughs> it's in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannah, I love your work. I love hearing about it. And I, um, I could go on and on. But as, as we close up here, I, I'd love to hear what self-care means for you. I know, I know you've spent a lot of time in your own life thinking about self-care. And like how, what, is, what is the definition right now that, that feels most authentic mm. for you around self-care? Mm. Well, I do really come back to what you said about the sacred pause. Um, I think that that's a big part of it for me right now, certainly. Taking some time each day to um, to be 
some time to be in silence and some time to also just kind of check in with myself um, and just be present with myself. I think that's, I can't underestimate that at all. Um, I feel like I, I have some morning routines. I have some evening routines. I, I just started setting an alarm on my phone for 9.30 every night. The alarm goes off and it's like, okay, it's time. It's time to start getting ready for bed. Um, and that is really great. That's really made a difference too. I think my self-care, the mornings when I know that I have ceremonies, I have a, um, a really specific um, meditation imagery that I use when I'm kind of gathering and focusing myself for that. Uh, and that, I really like that. So that's kind of where I'm at right now and drinking water because it's summertime and we're all sweating a lot and it's hot. So coming back to coming back to just hydrating. Hydrating and taking five minutes every now and again to just kind of sit and put my phone down and be with myself and just be okay with whatever comes up. Mm. I love the bigness and the smallness of what you say. It's like <laughs> this huge, big life and living it to the fullest and then just like remember to drink some water and you can set an alarm on your phone too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it feels, it feels like they yeah. really complement each other. Anna, oh, how, I think that's how so much people... being human. Like the bigness and the smallness is being human. At the same time, yeah, and being able Sorry to, to interrupt with you. those, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. you can always mm-hmm. interrupt me with your deep thoughts on life, Hannah. You're <laughs> welcome. Um, well, for people who who want more access to to your thoughts and your ceremonies, um, what are some ways that that folks can get in touch with you? You can definitely contact me via my website, which is riverandrootceremonies.com, and there is a link to sign up for my newsletter there as well, which is somewhat uh, intermittent, but always on time. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram at riverandrootceremonies um, with some underscores, river underscore and underscore root underscore ceremonies, because I'm a glutton for underscores. Um, and those are, those are the main places. But please, yeah, contact me via the website, email me, phone, call me, um, and I would love to talk to you about whatever you're, whatever you're pondering um, in some ways that we might work together. There's a lot of different ways to work together to, to bring some ceremony and some space for acknowledging transition and change. Hmm. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, I, I highly recommend following Hannah um, on Instagram because she does a great post every Monday. She does Mandala Mondays where she shares the mandala that she makes out of things around her and uh, some, some of her thoughts on life. And I, I really can't recommend your ceremonies enough. I look I, In this, this year of transition I had, I look forward to bringing your, your services and your ceremonies into my life because I, I know that's really what I need to be able to slow down and enjoy as so much change is happening. And I could think of, you know, at least a few people for every one of those unconventional ceremonies you were talking about. So just if you're out there, um, you know, first, I think the bigger thought is just to really look at how you are slowing down and marking these transitions of your life and just recognizing that that's even a need can be like a great awareness. And then to think about how to build some ceremony. And it's, um, I always recommend getting professional help with those things that we, we don't know as well. So someone like Hannah would be great for that. So thank you so much, Hannah. It's really it's a gift to have you here. 
Thank you so much, Gracie. It's been wonderful to talk with you about this stuff. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And thank you to everyone listening out there. It's great to just keep the conversation going. So keep taking care of yourself, and I'll be back soon. Be well. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot and remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.